You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Those of you who I haven't met, my name is Pastor Nick, and like Trish said, uh, Pastor Stan is not here today. He's actually over at the Cornelius campus. Uh, he's preaching for Pastor Farrell, uh, our lead pastor, who is actually getting ready to start his sabbatical as well. Um, I told you guys last week that Lisa uh, started her uh, sabbatical that, uh, as pastors, we get every three years here on staff, and so she's doing that. Um, Stan was filling in for her a little bit here. Everyone was pitching in, and now Stan's over there filling in for Pastor Farrell, and so now I'm here filling in for Pastor Stan. So we're all kind of all over the place, but all that to say, if we break something or if we do something that's not so good, don't let them know about it, and we'll just get through it, all right? Um, But for those of you, quick show of hands, who was here last week? Um, when I was here doing announcements, so you guys all heard my Clemson joke, and now uh, it came to, to bite me in the rear because if you didn't see, Florida did not do well yesterday, and uh, I'm still bitter about it, but that's why it's a good day to be here worshiping and reconnecting with God, because some mornings you need it more than ever. Any, amen? Awesome. So before we jump in, let's, uh, let's just start the morning with some prayer, shall we? Lord, we love you. God, we just thank you for coming together this morning in worship. Uh, God, what an amazing time of communion and worship, and just engaging with your presence, Lord. God, I pray that you be with us this morning, that you just uh, open our hearts, open our minds to what it is that you want us to gain from today's message. Lord, don't let it uh, just be words on a paper or notes that we write down, but allow it to be a, a transformative experience with your living word today, that when we leave here, we're able to understand how to live our lives to glorify you a little bit more clear. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so it has been a, a few months since I've been here to be able to share with you guys, and something that is a little bit fun going on in my life that, that has been different over the past couple of months is that my wife and I are actually getting ready. We are in the process of training for our first ever race that we're going to do together. Um, we are training for a half marathon uh, that's going to be happening in November. Who here has ever ran a marathon or a half marathon? Yeah, there's, it's a dying breed, and I don't know why I'm joining the group, but we're trying to figure it out. But um, for me, as someone who grew up, I've played sports, I've done different types of workout things in my past, uh, some seasons better than others, but doing this marathon training or this half marathon training uh, is different than any kind of physical training or practice or whatever it might be uh, than what I've done before in my entire life. And while I've been doing it, I've, I've come to kind of learn a couple of things that I feel like not only apply to my running tactics, uh, but really have been something that I feel like I could apply uh, to a lot of different aspects of my life. So let me give you the example. There are some mornings, right, where I might wake up and I feel energized, like I feel like I've had coffee without even having the coffee. I get my stretch in. I feel hydrated. Uh, the diet's where it needs to be, so I feel good. So I go out and I go for my run, right? And the run feels amazing. And I hit my marks. I achieve my goals. I, I get the distance that I'm supposed to do. And not only do I run well, but I also feel good doing it, right? And like, I feel like I can take on the world. I was like, okay, well, that was a couple miles. Let me go do a couple more. And I feel like I can just keep on going and going and going. And everything feels like it aligns according to plan, right? That's some of the days. There are other days where I do everything I can to try to set up for the perfect run. 
I, I eat well, I hydrate, I do all this stuff the same way I always do. I get my stretch in, I go out and I get ready for the run. And yet there are certain conditions outside that make the run a lot more difficult for me to get through. Whether it could be a rainstorm, it could be a humidity change, it could be just a change of of temperature, but something happens that even though in my part, I've done everything the same, I go out there and I feel like I'm running slower. Uh, It's a lot more difficult for me to get through it. Uh, It takes me longer, and it's just no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, it just does not pan out the way I want it to. And so you try to make different plans. You try to, you try to research accordingly. So like the night before, uh, I'm checking the weather. I'm checking dew points. I'm, I'm looking at these things that I act like might make a difference for me when I go out running, but really it's not like I don't know enough to actually make a difference. But we try to set ourselves up to be more prepared for the circumstance that we're about to enter, right? And I get up, and I'm mentally prepared, and I'm trying to get ready. And even if it's a bad day, I might try to muscle through the run. I might try to get through it. I might try to do everything I can to complete the objective, but it still might not be my best performance, right? Like if the conditions, if the weather, whatever it might be, doesn't line up to be in my best performance, I might get through the run, but it might not be the type of time that I want it to be. And I feel like that happens in small examples like running, but I feel like it can happen the way we kind of approach everything in life. The fact that we might do everything in our power to have a plan, to feel like we can be in control, that we can do everything the right way, and if we do it the right way, then things should turn out the way that we plan them to. But there's outside aspects that we just have no control of, right? Like if you're, if you're working on your career, you might have gone and got the right degree, you went to the right school, you got the right uh, uh, entry-level job, and you work three to five years, get that promotion, you might think you're doing all the right steps to reach the point you want to in your career. Or you might make all the right moves and investments, you might put your money in the places that you think are going to be the safest or probably the most uh, bang-for-your-buck return, whatever it might be. Uh, as parents, parents in the room, we can, we can do things like we can study you know, the best tactics to raise our kids. We can ask co-parents for advice. We can, we can seek guidance, and we can try to raise our kids to the best of our potential. Or as athletes, you can practice. You can do everything the right way. You can change your diet, whatever it might be. But we do everything in our power in order to perform successfully. But all of those instances have factors that we cannot control, right? We might invest well, but we don't know what the market's going to do. We can, we can set boundaries for our kids, but they're going to make the decision whether or not they listen to them or not. You know, we can, we can try to make healthy choices, but healthy choices don't always mean healthy diagnosis, right? And it's so hard sometimes for us to come to terms with the fact that no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we want to be in control and have our plan, there's some things that we are just not in control of, right? Quick show of hands. How many of you are the planner in the family? Like how many of you are like the itinerary for vacation? I see a lot of thumbs going to the next one. How many of you are thankful that you're married to the planner in the family? How many of you wish you weren't married to the... Don't, don't, <laughs> nope, nope. But 
for some people, this is a very hard thing for us to come to terms with because we like to have a plan. We like to feel like we know if we do all the right things, then the results are going to come out the way that we expect them to. That's one type of person, and that's one extreme side of the spectrum. But there's also another side of the spectrum where not only do we come to terms with the fact that we're not in control of everything, but some of us like to go to the point of saying, uh, we're not in control of anything, so why even try, right? Like, like things are going to pan out the way that they're supposed to pan out, so why even bother trying to have an input? Uh, I'm just going to roll with the punches for better or for worse. And, and if we're not careful, we can almost fall into the point of, like, not only am I not in control, but I'm not even going to put any effort into what I'm doing to try to get the result that I want. And I want to bring that idea back to the running example as well, because... I'm thinking to myself, I got about a month left to this race, and that month is going to go a lot quicker than I wanted to, but it's okay. But I, I've reached the point, right, where I can run probably like eight, eight miles comfortably, 10 if I push myself. I would not want to know how I would perform in that race if I had no training plan figured out to get to that point. You know, like if, if I'm not exercising, if I'm not eating right, my waist size is probably somewhere between like a McDouble and a Big Mac. Like <laughs> I love eating bad. Uh, in, in fact, side story, can I, side story. I'm watching football a couple weeks ago, right? When Florida was doing well. Um, <laughs> a long time ago, it feels like. But I'm watching the game and I have a full plan, right? I'm going to be healthy today. I'm going to eat my grilled chicken salad. I'm going to have water, maybe splurge and have a LaCroix. I don't know. Coke Zero, maybe. We'll go crazy. And I'm watching the game and halftime comes along. I'm getting ready to go get my lunch. And the McDonald's commercial comes on, and it's the words that I didn't know I wanted to hear, and yet it changed my life in an instant. And it was Orange High C is back at McDonald's. I dropped everything I was doing. And I went to the car and I went there. Got in, in line. I'm like, do you guys have orange high seat? They're like, yep, we got it. And I'm like, that's what I want. They're like, anything else? Yeah, I'll take like 20 chicken nuggets and some french fries. And it's just like the whole day was shot. But all that to say, if I didn't have a plan for the race, I don't know how I would perform. It wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be something I'm proud of. So we have two ends of a spectrum that we have to realize that we have to balance between, right? We, some people want to think that we're fully in control, that we can make the outcome turn into anything we want, but then there's some people who don't like the plan at all. And they're like, I'm just going to roll with the punches, and yet we need a plan in order to continue to improve and get to a point that we want to strive to. And what's the balance between those two things? How do we balance realizing that we need a plan but we're not fully in control. And I want to challenge you guys a little bit today to just kind of realize maybe a new perspective of what it comes to having a plan looks like. Because I think it's so easy for us to make a plan and to want to strive towards a specific outcome because of that plan. And the moment something doesn't work the way it was supposed to, we feel like the plan is a failure, right? Or we can feel like we didn't achieve the thing that we wanted to. But instead of us looking at our game plans, looking at our planning as how do I get to this one all or nothing goal, I want to challenge you to start thinking of our plans as a way that we can be more prepared 
to be successful and to complete our objective, regardless of what might happen along the way. And an an example of that is like I think of Michael Jordan, right? Best basketball player of all time, fact, regardless of what anyone says. Um, But Michael Jordan planned, trained, worked out, did his whole regiment, right? But I don't think Michael Jordan ever planned to have a flu game or to have a really bad sickness going into a championship game, right? That wasn't a part of his game plan to be like, if this sickness happens, I'm going to do that. But rather, his planning, his training, his equipping got him ready so that even in the midst of a day where things did not line up the way he wanted to, even though he wasn't going to have the best performance he was ever going to have in his career, he was able to still complete his objective for that night, which was to win the game. Am I right? So as believers, like, what does that mean to our lives? What does that mean for us today? Well, it means that as we're making plans, we need to understand what our goals are, what are our objectives, so that even when we're not in control, even when we can't be fully in control of the outcomes, we are still able to live the lives that we want to and live a life successfully the way that God wants us to. By having a plan, we're able, no matter what happens in our life, to live effectively for the kingdom of God. But in order to do that, we have to ask ourselves, well, what does that mean to live life effectively? What does it mean to live with a plan that glorifies the kingdom of God? And I think we can find that answer right in when Jesus was talking about what's the most important thing in our lives? What's the greatest commandment that we could ever live by? Jesus says it very plainly, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, as Christians, what we believe is that the moment that Jesus died on the cross, everything changed. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated all the imperfections in our life. But the beautiful thing about it is that all of that is still getting played out, right? I mean, we look around and and things aren't perfect yet, but we know that that's the trajectory that we're taking. And the beautiful thing about it is that as Christians, we get to play a role in that whole journey. Because scripture tells us that that once we, we surrender our lives to Christ, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are created with a purpose. We're created to be in relationship with God, in relationship and loving one another, to be a light in this world, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, and then project that into the world around us. So that it's through us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the world is being changed, and God's kingdom is expanding into a place that it normally isn't or isn't right now. And so if we want to be a part of that journey, if we want to be a part of that mission, then we need to have a plan to be able to do what is it that God's calling us to. And the best way for us to do that is to be in connection with him and learning how do we hear from God when I'm making a plan for my life so that when I'm making decisions, when I don't know what's going to happen, I'm still prepared to honor God in it. Does that make sense? All right. So if you have your notes today, Uh, We are actually going to be looking at James chapter 4, verses uh, 13 through 17.
And uh, you'll notice in your notes that, that there's a couple of bullet points there, and I'm just going to give you uh, a quick heads up. We are going to get to the bullet points at the very end of the message. So I just want you to hold on to that, but don't hold your pen ready to write it down because we'll, I'll let you know when we get to that point. But if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you know that we are in part seven of our James series. And I'm not going to go through all of the, the notes from the past James series, but I do want to just give you some context of what is it that this whole letter is about. Because James is writing a letter to a church that is dealing with a lot of persecution, right? And they're not dying for their faith at this point. They're not being martyred. But more so, this church specifically is dealing with a lot of, of, of persecution or seclusion from the outside society. That they're dealing with a lot of financial strains. And there's a lot of financial and economic pressure that's going on that's making the church in a worse economic status than the rest of society is going on right now. And the church really has two options for what it is that they can, the way that they can address it. They can rally together, they can pull resources, they can help one another out, and they can make sure that as an entire church, we're going to get through this tough time together. Or they can kind of take the every man for himself technique. Like, I'm going to take what's mine, you take what's yours, and we'll just let things play out the way they're supposed to. And, and if you're successful, great. If not, tough luck. And if they do this, it's going to cause a lot of division in the church, a lot of separation, a lot of, a lot of hurt. Because some people are just going to abandon others, and it's just going to be a bad situation. Unfortunately, this is kind of the situation that we see playing out. And this is why James feels a need to address the church. Because James is saying, hey, times are tough, but there's a lot of good things that can happen in the tough times. There's a lot of joy to be had in tough times. And then he takes a couple of specific examples that he sees happening in the church, and he's saying, you know what, I'm going to do a little course correction, and I'm going to show you what it is that you're actually supposed to do to be a part of the kingdom of God. And specifically today, we're going to be looking at some verses uh, where James is addressing people that have some wealth, that have some resources, that have some gifts that they have, but he's going to challenge them with the question, what are you doing to plan to use those things well? What kind of plans are you making? Are you making plans to benefit yourself, or are you making plans to benefit and honor God in what you do with what you have? And so if you have your Bibles, we're starting in James 4.13. And I believe it's going to be on the screen. Yep, right there. Perfect. Uh, So just read along as I read it out loud. James says this to this group. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make some money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to be saying, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. But as it is now, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. And so to sum it up or to contextualize it, what James is basically saying is that you guys have a lot of things going your way. You guys are the financially stable ones. And yet, what are you doing with your planning? You could be planning to help out and to honor God, but you're deciding to be this way. And you're being arrogant and you're being boastful. And that's just not God honoring. 
You should be like this, and yet I see you guys doing this. And if you know better and you decide not to do that, I mean, you're sinning not only against your church, but you're sinning against God. And the core thing that James is is looking at in this verse, or the core thing that he wants to address, the pull out of these people, really can be seen in verse 16. It's when he says, as it is today, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. Now, when we think of the word arrogant, or we think of boasting, it's basically like showing off. But if we look at what this church was actually doing, if we look at the context of this word, what he's more addressing isn't just the fact that they were showing off, isn't just the fact that they were being arrogant, but they were so prideful in who they were that they were, they were going into their planning with the intent of saying, I do not need to seek out God's opinion because I have the power and control to do it on my own. Everything I've done in life has worked good for me till now, and I'm the one that's going to control my own destiny. And that's the spirit that James is looking at from these guys, because if we're honest, that's the spirit that we all struggle with every single day. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, what did the serpent tell them when he was tempting them to eat of the tree? He said, if you eat of the tree, you're going to know as much as God knows, and you're going to be able to understand good and evil, and you're going to be like God. And the thing that we struggle with is the fact that we want to make our own plans. We want to have control of what happens in our life. We want to be able to say, I don't need anyone else's help. I don't need God's help because I have the ability to do it on my own. And that's just not the way we were created to be, and that's just not the way it is. Guys, the fact that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the fact that we live in an imperfect world is purely an understanding that we can't do things on our own. That there is a higher power, a greater being that has more understanding than any we could ever have. That has a plan and a purpose that, that regardless if we like it or not, is going to take over and take control whether we make plans or not. But the fact is, is that each and every one of us was created with a purpose, right? We were created to understand who God is, to be in relationship with God. And our plans should be meant to help prosper what God's plan is. That we get to be a small part of a bigger thing of what God is doing. That it doesn't have to be just how am I benefiting myself, but how am I benefiting God and how am I benefiting other people? You see, whether we want to recognize it or not, Everything we have in our life, whether it's finances, whether, whether it's a great family, whatever it might be, good health, good job, all of those things are gifts from God. And all of those things are things that not everyone in the room might not necessarily have. So the question is not why do I have that or what did I do to deserve it, but what opportunity or what plan does God have for me to do those things? Why does he give me these things so that I can use it to be a blessing to him and a blessing to other people? And that's what James wants us to realize. That everything we have is a gift. Everything we have isn't just something for us to enjoy for ourselves, but that we can use it to help benefit the world around us. To get back to that fact that we are God's ambassadors. To show people what it means 
to be a community that is loving, right? I mean, the hard thing is, is that we live in a society that I love, that is great. But it is also a society that thrives on this concept of if you work hard enough, if you have the right motivation, if you try hard enough, you can accomplish anything. That there's nothing standing in your way from being able to do what it is that you put your mind to. And on the surface, that seems like such a powerful and such a strong message. But I got to tell you guys, if we're not careful, it keeps us away from what the gospel actually tells us. The fact that there are things that are beyond our control, but that there is a God that is in control. And that it's not about just deciding and driving for what it is that you want to do, but that there is a bigger picture and a bigger purpose for every single one of us. And what can be difficult sometimes is that we want to turn it into, uh, um, well, in order to do the right thing, I have to give up what I want. Or in order to give to this person, that means I have to take less. But rather, what it is is that we don't fully understand what's going to bring us the ultimate fulfillment. That we might strive for a career, we might strive for money, we might strive for X, Y, and Z, but at the end of the day, we can get all of those things and still realize, like, well, there's something missing. That our ultimate fulfillment, right, comes from knowing who God is knowing the purpose that God has for our life and making him the guiding principle for which we make all of our plans in life. And so for some of us, the question becomes like, well, yeah, but how do I do that? How do I know whether or not I'm making plans just for myself or if I'm making plans actually trying to honor God? And I I would encourage you that it's a simple step of just really trying to spend time with God a little bit more. You know, I started over this semester, I started doing um, just a little kind of routine in my daily life. It's called, a, it's, it's called an office time something. But the concept is really simple. It's like in the morning, maybe when you get into the work office, take a lunch break, whatever it is, different points throughout the day, you just take a moment, you take two minutes of silence, Close your eyes, you take deep breaths, and you just kind of think about, I think about the term, the Lord my God, but really it's just, how can you repeat, what's your favorite name for God that you can remember? And it's not a constant prayer. It's not a time where you're speaking to God your prayer requests. It's not even a time where you're, you might hear something specific from God. But it's just recalibrating your day to realize, you know what? I'm going to put all the distractions aside. I'm going to think about God for a moment so that when I go into this next part of my day, I have that at the forefront of my mind so that even though I might not know what's in store for me, I might not know what I'm supposed to do, but I know that God is in the picture and I know a little bit more clearly what it is that I can do to try to honor God in this situation. Because the great thing about the faith, guys, is that when it might seem like it's something that's hard or unmanageable or we're unable to do it, we have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us so that when we offer ourselves to God, it's not like we're just going to see no fruit for what it is that we offer, but that he is a a loving God, he is a faithful God who is going to meet us where we are at so that when we give more of ourselves to him, he's going to see that and he's going to do amazing things in our life. The question is, are we prepared 
to give a little bit more of ourselves to him. So, Pastor Aaron, you can make your way up real quick, but to go through these bullet points real quick, these are just a quick reminder. When we go about our day, when we're making plans, what is it that we can hold on to? What can we remember from this passage to refocus our lives and our plans on God, right? Number one, we got to remember that we're not in control, but God is. Amen? Yeah. Number two, we do not know the future as much as we might like to think we do. We don't know the future, but God does. Number three, we are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. That we might think we should be striving for things for the here and now, but really there's a greater kingdom that's in play. Life is short, so seek God's will and invest well in him. Death is certain, but so, um, excuse me, death is certain, so live with an eternal perspective. Live in a way that's going to honor God's kingdom. And then how do we see this play out? What does it look like for us to do this on a daily basis? We plan prayerfully. In any plans we make, we enter it in prayer. And we ask God simply for his guidance. We might not always hear it. We might not always know what it means, but we are asking him to give us his guidance. We don't plan with a boastful assumption. We don't plan like we're in control, like we have all the answers. But we plan humbly, willing to make changes as we have to. And we don't plan to get what's ours out of the situation, but we plan with eternity's values in view. And most importantly, we submit our plans to God and we allow him to make changes to our plans. It's not about how can we get God to align with what we want to do, but how can we get what we want to do to align with God's plan. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.